BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Six PM. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This crowd rises to its feet. But Carl slams it home. Car with left wing. Three ball. Perfect. Car with front of the lane. Lock. The only pop. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. How with the left hand and a foul. The Chase Down Podcast is brought to you by Fubo TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract. There's no commitment. Try free at FuboTV.com. The Cleveland Cavaliers are a streaking gang. This is seven in a row for the Cavaliers after a bit of a weird, bit of a sloppy win against the San Antonio Spurs. And while Justin Rowan remains on vacation, you're still stuck with Carter Rodriguez here on hosting duties. But I am not alone. I would never subject you to 30 minutes of my rambling. So instead, we we had to call in the big guns. My former boss at Fear the Sword, David Zavak. How you doing, Dave? Uh, real good. Thanks to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Things are good. Yeah, it's uh, it it was uh, it, it's been a really really interesting stretch where we we talked about it that they had that kind of brutal January where uh, schedule was hard. They were losing some games they should have won, and you start to wonder like, hey, is this team ready? Because my evaluation was. They they are, were better than what they showed in January, and and if that were the case, they were going to make a run when when the schedule softened up a little bit in the back half of the year. And it feels like they're kind of putting it together. What what's your what's your kind of analysis of where the team is as a whole right now? It's kind of the the team that we were promised by their first ten games or so, right? I mean, they kind of started out the season by kind of getting this hint of of what they they can be. Um, and actually, I think if you look at it, usually a team, believe it or not, their, their first 20 games or so is, is relatively indicative of, of how good they're going to be. You know, you come out of the season, you have energy, you're relatively healthy, um, and everybody goes through bumps and bruises, but, um, yeah, lost their way a little bit, but I think, uh, playing at home has helped, but, you know, uh, they're also just getting good play from both both of their good players now. I mean, so I think, you know, Garland was picking up Mitchell for a minute. And now tonight Mitchell was able to pick up Garland a little bit. So that's, that was the vision, right? So uh, it's, it's fun to see. Yeah. Obviously we've talked privately, but, uh, and we will dive into the, the Spurs game though. I I think to some extent it was a bit of an academic victory uh, in the end. Uh, But I I do want to stay macro for a little bit with you just because, you know, I've always loved kind of hearing your takes. You, you are uh, the Eeyore of Cavs Twitter, but uh, but don't don't let don't let it fool you, gang. He's not just he's not just a just a Debbie Downer. You also you have expectations, and you're really I, I've always trusted kind of your read of the game. How what have you seen from the Darius Donovan pairing uh, thus far in the season? Because I feel like it's come together faster than either of us would have expected. Yeah, um, I. I'm I'm like as big of a Darius Garland fan as you can find, right? So for him to be this age and to uh, be ready to play with somebody like Donovan Mitchell, who's 
been to the playoffs, who takes a lot of shots, who's taken a lot of important shots. You know, you and I talked before the season, I wasn't that worried about it because of Garland's makeup, because of his ability to pass, because of his ability to to spot up. So when I've been frustrated this year, it's been because I, I like their player so hot. Um, so I, 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 I do hold them to a high standard. I think, um, I think you're right. I, I think the expectations are, are high, um, and, and they are young. Um, so, you know, you're allowed to have a bad month. You're allowed to have two bad months. And I think, uh, to be as young as they are and to have responded the way that they have the last seven games during this win streak, I think has been really good. And, um, you know, I, I think they big picture, they play a lot of lineups that don't have enough shooting for me. Uh, but you've pointed out they're scoring in the top 10 or so of the NBA. Uh, they, you know, they, they're, they're sort of making that trade off and it's paying off because they're the best defense in the NBA. What they did tonight uh, at times when they were actually dialed in, I mean, was stifling. I, th- I think Jared Allen is just incredible. I think uh, last game, uh, Evan Mobley was incredible. So uh, I thought uh, Isaac Okoro defensively tonight was was really impressive. So you know, they, they they sacrificed some offense for defense, and when it works, it works. And <laughs> certainly lately, it hasn't been so. Yeah, I, I, I've made this comp a few times on the podcast, but I really do think uh, as uh, much as we we might be loath to do it, I think you might want to look at uh, at, at the Cavaliers' uh, friends uh, and former rivals out west and the Warriors uh, to see what it looks like to have two volume-shooting three-point guards and how they can kind of cover up a lot of non-shooting warts, you know? Like... The, the Warriors can play, you know, they can win at a high level playing Iggy and Bogut and Draymond and these guys. And, you know, they're, you know, they, they've carved out four or five. How many titles is, are they up to now? Four? It sounds like, I think four. Either way, however many titles they have, they've carved out quite a few playing at least two non-shooters at all times and often, you know, a third one. So, uh, you know, I, I do feel like, and I think we have to give the coaching staff their flowers a little bit on, you know, the kind of offense they're running too. Like, I, I think we can correctly quibble with the pace uh, and the, the, and not just the pace, you know, not just running, but just getting into their sets quickly. But I do feel like they're running stuff that generates clean looks um, and generates advantage for them. They have good passers, right? Yes. So, um, you know, they might be playing, Harris or Rubio or um, or Mobley or even Allen, you know, they're, they're all people who are plus passers for their position. So the ball movement is is less of a concern. Um, in terms of the smart criticisms that I see, you know, oh, they need to play faster. Right or wrong, I don't get as worked up about that. Um, and the biggest reason for that is you can pick up the pace, and I think that works for you in the regular season. And I think, you know, any analytics person will tell you, you know, you want to play faster. Um, and, I'm, and I think you made a really good point there. It's it's about getting into your sets. But you can play with more pace, but when you get to the playoffs, I, I see that almost as more of a mask than a solution, right? Because, you know, you get to game four or five of a, of a playoff series, I don't think you can just get out and transition. That's that's just not the way that it goes. So um, to your point, I think what the Cavs do have going for them is I do think they run good offense. I do think they have good passers. And I think like even guys like Lavert and Ruby are, are willing to take shots, um, but they're only going to go as far as uh, Mitchell and Garland take them to your point because you know, I just, I'm not sure the percentage that they're going to shoot on, on that, but, um, but the, the passing and the offense itself, I, I think you're right. I, I'm not saying, I don't think there's a problem with that. And I'm not even worried about the pace, which I think a lot of people are. Yeah. Again, I, I do like them pushing when they can, just because it is a, uh, it is an avenue to counter 
uh, some of their half court deficiencies, which is shooting. You know, like you can, like I just feel like everything about the Cavs right now, and this is such a reductionist statement. Like obviously, everything about the Cavs' offense needs to be revolved around gaining an advantage. <laughs> you know, that's offense. But I think it's especially important for the Cavs because they don't just because of the lineups they're playing. I don't think they they just walk into sets with you know three guys that you can't abandon no matter what. And I've talked about this quite a few times that yes, they have two great shooters on the floor at all times in Darius and Donnie, but one of those dudes almost always has the ball. So it's like you know like they they, they aren't you're not leveraging their off ball gravity you know two of their off ball gravity at a time unless you're like you know playmaking out of the high post or relocating. Uh, after after a pick and roll in in the uh, uh, in the short roll, which they do, but it's not like they're just not walking in with advantage. So like any way that they can get it, you know, when they do push the pace and get in their sets quickly and and, and find themselves in a mismatch or a cross match, like that's the kind of stuff I want to see. But I don't need them to 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 run. I I I think that that's I agree that that's a bit of a mis of, of a misnomer. Well, and they, I mean, they're gonna stagger. Mitchell and Donovan, or they're going to stagger stagger Mitchell, Mitchell and Garland as well. So, you know, I mean, like, I guess when I start worrying, it's like you've got to line up like Mitchell, Lavert, Rubio, Okoro, and Allen for a while tonight. Or, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, some of these guys are willing to shoot, but, like, how good are they going to be at it? Um, but, again, they, they defend so well that, um, you know, you're talking about the number one defense in the NBA and, you know, the eighth or ninth offense. And that's not, that's not panic mode. That's just, how are we looking to get better? And I, I think one thing that the Cavs do have too, um, and I, you know, they have room for internal growth over the season, right? So like Garland and Mitchell are going to keep getting a little bit better uh, with each other. Evan Mobley, I think, is a pretty clear example of somebody who over the last month um, has found his place in the offense a little bit. Um, you know, I think they could still, I'd like to see Dean Wade get a little bit more integrated into the offense and, and just the team in general because he's somebody that can make those shots. Um, you know, reportedly, another shooter might be, you know, getting added to the team if he's if he's healthy enough. So, um I think there are some avenues for them to to continue to get better as the season goes on, and, and I think that's exciting too. Yeah, to to uh, your insinuation, uh, you know, reportedly the Cavs have uh, uh, reports say that the Cavaliers are uh, might be adding Danny Green um, to to the lineup uh, in the near future. Obviously, an infusion of good vibes guy, an infusion of great shooting, uh, catch and shoot in from the corners, which really matters and. You know, a lot of veteran know-how. So, uh, you know, it, it, I think that that kind of move is important if if, if that does indeed ha- happen for the Cavs, um, uh, you know, uh, officially. Uh, just in the sense that, to your point, they are relying on some guys who have shaky jump shots. And we see in the playoffs, and, like, we're moving into rich people problems t- territory with roster construction, right? Like where you're going to have one almost every great team has at least one or two dudes who were really good for them all year that just all of a sudden can't play in the postseason because of some matchup because of a slump because of whatever and the coaches coaching staff for whatever team that is just cannot afford to let them work through it because it's it's too high stakes so more more optionality more experience uh in, in that rotation seems really important I do want to talk a little bit about Evan Mobley, who continues to make two or three offensive moves a night over the last over this winning streak. Where I go, whoa! I didn't know you were ready to do that. You know, uh, we were talking. You you came to was it the home opener you came to with us? Yeah. Uh, yep. uh, I couldn't remember that or the next one, but you came to the home opener with Justin and I, and uh, we were talking about you know about Mobley and I feel like you were one of the people who were trying to keep like expectations a little reined in offensively like not pessimistically at all but just like like people are just throwing out you know reckless comps you know uh, myself included 
what have you seen? Has his recent stretch of offense and kind of the tools he's developed, is he starting to make you amend your expectations for him offensively? Well, I'll start by saying, you know, I I first had to amend my expectations for him defensively, and that happened within the first two weeks of the season last year, right? Like, yeah. I'm just not prepared for 20, and now he's 21. You know, I'm not prepared for 21-year-olds to defend the way that he does. Um, and so I had to – that was the immediate adjustment that I had to make. Um for this year with his defense, you know, I, I think people recognize it now, but I don't think we realized what Garland and Mitchell would mean for him, right? Like, I think there were a, a lack of shots for him the first two months of the season um, where he was trying to piece together his his role. I think you're seeing more of him against second units now. Um, where he's playing with one of Garland or Mitchell, um, and it gets to be a little bit more of a focal point. Um, he's been able to pass from the get-go. Uh, his basketball IQ is is off the charts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know where it's going. He's he's uh, still not really shooting. I, I would rather he just shot all the time uh, more. Uh, and I don't really care if he makes them or not. I just want to see him just continue to push himself and stretch himself. But again, he's 21. By the time he's 24, I, I just can't imagine that it's going to be a problem, right? Um, to, to that so, point, to that point, David, in December, he averaged 9.6 field goals a game, uh, field goal attempts, 9.6. Uh, in uh, January, he averaged 13.1. This month, he's averaging 14.5. So he is finding... Uh, ways to kind of juice his shots, even even if it's not up to like the 17 a game you might want to see. And I'm giving JB credit for that too, right? Because he's that's where you know I'm not, I'm not willing to say JB's been perfect all season necessarily, but he's finding lineups where Evan can make this this little jump, and uh, I, I think JB deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I think Evans uh just getting a little bit more comfortable with his skill game too, with his footwork. Uh, you know, I've I've talked a lot about how I feel like Evan had like the inverse journey of a lot of uh, prospects these days where they come in with a really well-developed skill set, they can shoot, they can handle, but they don't know how to think the game yet. You know, Evan was an elite thinker of the game and uh though he's demonstrated some skill like watching it you know you can see that the pieces you know they're not at an nba you know face up and you know get you a bucket level which is completely fine but i feel like we've been seeing it more and more like his attacks in transition where he's yeah. euro stepping to the hoop um you know he he hit the little hezzy on daniel gafford again in the washington game and 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 oh i wish he had made that dunk um <laughs> you know i i do feel like he's starting to show a comfort level and he kind of knows where his shots are coming from. I felt like earlier in the year, it was a lot of like stumbling into someone's chest uh, <laughs> offense. You know, he was still helpful and, and, yeah. you know, great on cut on duck ins and things like that. But as a primary creator, I feel like he is generating positive angles for himself offensively. And, and tonight was maybe his first, he, he, you know, if he, I'm not going to sit here and, call a random February night game a step back, but, you know, he had 15 and 10 tonight. It's kind of the worst game he's had offensively in a while. I'll take that. You know I mean, so, um, uh, I, yeah, I agree. And I, I think, I think it's a fine line between being decisive and, and being out of control. He's been really good lately at, at being decisive and making quick reads. Um, I give maybe Pop a little bit of credit for kind of having his team, you know, ready for some of that tonight. But um, no, I mean he's he's too smart and athletic um, to not sort of slowly. I don't think it'll ever be as fast as maybe some people want it to. But you know, in eighteen months, I think we're going to really enjoy having Evan Mobley. I think we already are, but. Uh, uh, I think I think he's going to keep moving forward. Yeah, he he is really um, uh, developing, and 
one thing that's already developed is the video conference software that this podcast uses. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or... Shoot that! Shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Uh, David, let's talk a little bit about the Spurs game. We haven't really talked about the game because, you know, it, it is somewhat of an academic game. You know, we know that, uh, the, that, uh, the, the, this team, you know, JB talked after the game, clearly not super thrilled with his team's level of focus. Um, it was kind of, but I would, and I will say, you know, I, I would, I would certainly classify, uh, uh, the, the team's focus as being a little screw, screw, uh, to, to, uh, paraphrase our favorite South Park shop teacher, a little screwing around uh, from from the Cavaliers, uh, not not playing with that killer instinct all game. But I did watch the game think and think it's nice to have someone who can drop a casual forty, uh, and and he's not even working that hard to get there, right? I mean, Donnie Donnie is really on the uptick after you know a, a rough stretch of games after that groin injury. Yeah, I think you know we we were kind of. You know, you win a game against the Bulls that I think some people thought, you know, if, if they were going to have a letdown, tired game, it would have been that Bulls game. Then you've got this upcoming game on on Wednesday night against the 76ers, which in some ways, you know, could be the game of the season up to this point. I told you before the game, I, I thought it was kind of a, a letdown game, uh, but they were still favored by 15. So I'm like, well, what do I know? And then they came out on fire and and playing with a ton of energy. And I think I think uh, the Spurs had like twelve points with three minutes left in the first quarter. Um, but to JB's point, I think they lost some interest at halftime and um, uh, were not particularly serious in the second half. But uh, you know, there was a period in the fourth quarter where uh, it, Garland was on the bench, and and as you said. Uh, Mitchell kind of willed them forward a little bit. Uh, the Cavs kept getting to the free throw line, which again, that's you're taking it to them, right? You're 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 driving, you're you're forcing the action, and I think um, that's the that is the nice thing about Mitchell is that yeah, he's going to take the threes. He's a very efficient player because he takes the threes, but he also is never going to settle. He's an attacking player, and I think that's helpful. Um, from a mindset perspective for the team that they have that, you know, you mentioned the, the, the Warriors earlier, right? Like the Warriors had that not with a, a 
guard driving to the basket. They had that with Draymond, right? So they, they've got these guards that can light it up from anywhere and Steph got to the basket. There's always kind of a misnomer that he didn't, but um, it was Draymond who'd be sort of rolling downhill and and making those short read passes and and playing with the energy. That's, 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 that's Mitchell for us. Um, And I think uh, tonight was a game that I, I think you feel good about. That's why you traded for him. Yeah, it's uh, you know he applies straight line rim pressure. Uh, I don't really think anyone else on this team fits that bill, you know. And like, of course, that's like one of the hardest skills to have is to be able to just burst to the hoop. And obviously, he adds a lot of craft. And you know, when he needs to, he can you know he can do that uh, that uh, you know that kind of carryover move to to switch hands and 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 kind of avoid um, uh, reaching defenders. But like he applies that that pressure, and he just I just feel like he was that calming presence for them, and he is showing, uh, you know, he is showing that he's looking a lot more explosive, a lot more comfortable after a rough few games. You know, I I do feel like he was hitting to the point where it was like there were just some games where it was like seventy five percent of Donnie's field goal attempts are, are pull up threes, and it's like that's just you know like there is a point of diminishing returns where you where you do need him to attack. You know, everyone else is so craft based. Darius gets the rim, but he takes a lot of it's a lot of work to get there most of the time. Karis, same. A lot of work, a lot of torque, a lot of pivots and and stops and starts and the fact that Donnie just kind of can go straight to it and just destabilize a defense with, you know, w- within a second. Uh that that is a, a really important skill to to demonstrate. So it, it feels really, really good to see. Um, and it, it's just kind of nice watching him come back because we were talking, I really feel like Darius has been the best team and our best player on the team for the past six weeks. So the fact that Darius can come out and kind of have a stinker tonight, like I think he played unfocused basketball um, uh, and, you know, just was not sharp whatsoever at six turnovers, 0 for 4 from 3. And uh, the fact that Donnie can just, uh, insulate you from a night like that. It, it feels really, really good, and I just feel like this team right now they they might not have a ton of stylistic diversity right now, but they do have a lot of ways to win games. Yeah, and I mean, JB can be mad or say that he's mad, and you know, <laughs> they've won seven games in a row. Like you know, there was never a real moment in this game where I was particularly worried. Right. Like I I think, um, I think it was pretty clear that the Cavs always kind of had another gear that they could get to. Now, sometimes you, you know, you take your foot off the gas and you can't put it back on. So, you know, did they, did they make things a little bit more dramatic than they needed to be? Sure. But I don't think like, by tomorrow, JB is still gonna, you know, be mad. I think he kind of has to put on this front tonight, like, hey, got you know, but like, he'll go home and 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 feel good about you know the position they put themselves heading into the Sixers game. I think, but yeah, and like, I do think ultimately you can quibble with this win streak, and so far as the competition has been pretty marginal. You know, the the Grizzlies, um, you know, were really the only great win on this. Uh, on uh, in this streak but this is exactly what they weren't doing in january they were losing they were losing almost every schedule loss uh they they were they were dropping you know they dropped that game i think it was against the spurs where they had two days rest uh and it's like man you just can't drop those if you want to be if you want to have home court in this conference which is really really challenging you can't lose these games like you have to win games that you are at a disadvantage during. And I feel like the Cavs had that. Like, that Bulls win, I know the Bulls are a mess right now. I really think it was one of the most encouraging wins of the season because they didn't. They won that game not on the backs of a hot shooting night uh, or, you know, or they just had to work their asses off to get back in that game. And, like, even in the fourth quarter when they were going on their run, there was that possession where... Ricky bricked a three, and then they got an offensive rebound, and then Darius bricked a three, and then they got another offensive rebound, and then they threw it away. And, like, those are the kind of things, like, like the universe was not in their favor on that night, and they still, you know, basically broke the balls. And I feel like that is a sign of a team that's starting to mature a little bit. 
Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right. They're taking care of business in ways that they weren't doing not so long ago. I don't know if that heat loss was a wake up call. It, it honestly might've been a wake up call for, you know, some of the rotations and, and that sort of thing. You know, I, I think that, I think there have been some, some subtle changes, um, you know, you've gotten Dean Wade back. You're not really using him, but I, I think it gives another option, right? I think um, quietly, he only played 11 minutes tonight, but I think Chetty Osmond's been a more consistent piece of the rotation. There's been less Lamar Stevens, you know. So I think that that I think I think JB they're they're tinkering less. And they're they're approaching things a little bit more seriously, and you know one of the really positive things I think is that as they've stopped tinkering. To your point earlier about you know hey you know some guys you just can't play them if 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 they're working through things. I mean Isaac Okoro has put himself has sort of taken himself out of that conversation. I mean he's really um, asserted himself in the top eight. You know. Uh, you got to play them. I, I thought, you know, one of the, one of the sort of um, uh, hypotheticals, you know, that I, I was thinking about really even a year ago is, okay, let's say Isaac's offensive game doesn't come around. How good would he have to be defensively to justify the kind of minutes that he's getting? I remember this exercise and, very well. And I don't, I don't know. I'm not a, a defensive analyst. I never coached. You know, I, I, it's hard for me to say. But I did. I just watching tonight, and and what he's been doing really for the last couple of months, he's defending at a level, by my eye, that justifies you know at least him being in the rotation. And I still want him to shoot more. And I think he's getting more confident. Only took four shots today. Uh, I want him to shoot more, uh, but. I, I do think he's he's asserting himself as a rotation player uh, and and not putting a lot of pressure on somebody else to replace him in the starting lineup either. So I, I think you have to feel really good about that too. Yeah, I think I, I've said this a few times about Isaac, but it's so funny that like this is, I feel like he's a player where you just really can't box score watch because early in the season, uh, a 5-2-1 and one, uh, game might have looked like a freaking nightmare. Um, you know, like, uh, I really think he was lost on the court, uh, earlier in the season. And, you know, it's really easy to say Isaac's figured it out when he's scoring 20 against the Pacers on seven and nine shooting and goes three or four from three. I feel like a night like tonight to your point where he's plus 14 and 37 minutes and he scores five points. Um, you know, like, I feel like this in a weird way, a game like this almost indicates that he's like, you know, back and comfortable more than, uh, you know, one of those outlier shooting nights. And, you know, it's for not me, like, go ahead. For me, for me, my, you know what I'm going to be excited is when he goes four of nine. Because that's going to mean that he took nine shots, even though he wasn't making them, and he felt comfortable and he kept shooting. Like seven of nine, like, okay, he was making them, so he kept going. No, I want him, I want nine shots. I don't care if they're going in. That's when I'm going to feel good. That's that's fair. Uh, and, you know, he has had some quieter outings as of late, um, you know, uh, seven, seven, seven and five points in the last four games. Uh, and, you know, Chicago, he just no one could score. So he went three and nine in that one. But, yeah, I, I've been really, really impressed by him. By the way, it felt really unfair that Devontae Graham was their crunch time scorer for San Antonio tonight, and then they, and then we got to throw Isaac Okoro on him. It's like, oh, come on. Like, this guy's supposed to be a microwave off the bench for a team. And then, then he has to go uh, go face Isaac Okoro. Very unfair. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's been really fun. It's It's been fun seeing Okoro figure it out. I, I kind of thought, I don't know about you, I kind of thought Dean would be putting a little more pressure on that spot, and I feel like Isaac has really locked it down. I will say you and I were talking a, a couple months ago and we were kind of speculating about who would be in the rotation or who not, who wouldn't be. And I, I just think JB loves Okoro way too much to ever really, I mean, I'll believe, I'll believe, you know, it, it, you know what, he's just played 
And you know what? Like I said, he, he's justifying the faith at the moment. So, you know, I'll give it to him. But uh, no. In, I, in fairness I, to our to our uh, beloved head coach, he had games of five minutes, eight minutes, six minutes, and six minutes in the first, like, ten of the season. So JB was... JB was calling it like he saw it in the when okay. Isaac was going through it at its worst in his defense. Fair enough. So, but Fair enough. but you know I do I do feel like um, uh, I I did like your comment by the way I I don't really have a, a discussion to make out of this uh, but I do really like I did really like your comment about how you you do kind of sense the 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 idea that JB's not doing so much t- tinkering right now it feels like he knows exactly what he wants to do. Uh, every night, um, you know, at the expense of guys like Kevin Love and uh, sometimes, sometimes Dean or sometimes Jetty, but he, he, I feel like the rotations have a lot of purpose behind them right now. Yeah, and I, I'm not even saying I agree with you know all of it all the time. I think if if they're able to bring in, you know, a reported shooter, I think that'll make things interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, then. Part of that probably leads into why he's frustrated tonight, right? Like JB is now bringing a level of seriousness to this and he wants to see that from his team. And uh, that that's fair. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off. And everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Yeah. Uh, let's dive into some good old-fashioned standings watch, Dave. Uh, with uh, with the wind tonight uh, and with the Nets uh, catching an L. To, to the Knicks, the Cavs are now up three and a half on the five seed. They're up five on the six seed. What's your level of confidence that this team is going to be uh, uh, hosting a home court playoff series in the first round? Uh, very high. If, if they aren't, something something happened. Uh, you know, Tankathon has them as the 23rd toughest schedule left. I think it was 30th before tonight. The Spurs are not a very good team. So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, they have the, the 23rd hardest schedule left, or, you know, so they've got, they, they've still got a relatively easy, easy schedule left. And the team with the hardest schedule is uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, who are currently the, the third seed. So um, right now I'm, I'm thinking third seed. So, uh, if I have to start worrying about the fifth seed, I will. But right now, I think the team's earned um, the team's playing well enough that I'm I'm not worried about the fifth seed at the moment. Um, and I think Wednesday will be really fun. You know, I, I think it's a it's a it's not a measuring stick game like 
if they lose, I'm not going to say the sky's falling because it's not. Um, but I just think it's an opportunity and you, you hope that they take it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we can, we can dive into that game. Um, uh, they, they are, they do head to Philly, uh, to end, uh, the, the pre all-star break part of their season. Uh, they, they're up one Oh in in the season series right now, blew out Philly and in, in that great game where they denied the hell out of Joel Embiid and made his life really, really hard. Philly only scored 85 points in that game. My goodness. Um, it does feel like a, a, a really important one. You know, you, you, you clinch that tiebreaker and tie yourself for the three seed with Philly having, you know, one of the, you know, the hardest schedule remaining. Uh, I I've read this, uh, upcoming stretch on the pod before I'll read it again in case you missed it. Philly's next, uh, six, seven games versus Cleveland all-star break versus Memphis versus Boston versus Miami at Miami, at Dallas, at Milwaukee. Uh, that is, a, I, I think that's the hardest stretch of schedule I've seen all season. Uh, like, and, and the Cavs really have an opportunity to make up ground. Y- yes, Cavs play uh, Denver and Atlanta on a back-to-back uh, at the end of, uh, after the All-Star break, and but it gets easy again right after that. Like The, the Cavs are really, really well poised here. Yeah, I mean, to go back to your point, the uh, Nets and Heat both lost tonight. So, I mean, even taking care of business tonight is a big deal. Um, You know, I think think the Cavs are going to be in a good position to try and fight for that third seed. But, um, you know, assuring a home home playoff series is exciting, too, and – you know, I, I think, again, the, the Cavs themselves have played to a level where um, we should expect things from them. I mean, I think, like, I don't think we get to say, oh, Darius Garland got, you know, should have been in the All-Star game with, with Donovan Mitchell. We have the best backcourt in the NBA. But then also be like, eh, you know, whatever okay, happens, happens. Right? Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> like, I just think... Um, I think like we can't have it both ways, but I think that's good. Like I, th- I don't think it needs to be seen in a negative way. Like, oh well, we better get to the second round or else people fail. No, like that's not what it's about. It's about I want to turn on my game and feel like Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell can beat anybody. Yeah, and I think that I think that's what it's about. So, um, and I'll say this: I've said it multiple times. The three seed now really, really is meaningful. Uh, in the East, you know, it's the difference between playing a Miami team that's coming on that's battle tested. Like, I think a lot of people, if the Cavs played Miami in a, in a series, uh, I think I would pick the Cavs, but I think a lot of people would, would, you know, give the nod to a battle tested team that gets to shorten their rotation in the postseason. Um, that, you know, maybe doesn't quite have the depth right now, uh, and is playing, playing one or two players that, you know, aren't up to snuff. Uh, to get through the regular season, the three seed means you probably get Brooklyn or the Knicks. You know, like those are those are the kind of matchups you should be like the Cavs should would be heavily favored to win. And you know, coming into a, a slugfest uh, against either Milwaukee or Boston, um, you know, having already been blooded in battle a little bit. Uh, just seems really, really important for this team because those two teams are so good. Um, and, you know, and that's the thing. Like, you would think that the Cavs might be gaining ground uh, on even the two seed, but <laughs> Milwaukee's won 10 in a row. Boston's won four in a row. The, the East is just bananas, man. Yeah, and I mean, yes. that that that. And on one hand, the East is really good, and it has been, you know, loading up for a couple years. On the other hand, I don't know that anybody is really good, right? Like, oh, I think Boston, Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee is really good. I think they are okay. a great team. Well, uh, you know, if you I mean if you look at the net ratings and that sort of thing, I don't, you know, they're not. The numbers do not. The numbers do not agree level. with me. Yeah, um, but I mean, I think it's right to respect them. So, uh, that being said, I. Like I said, I think, you know, you get to some of those teams, I think we have a puncher's chance. 
Um, I'm less worried about like playoff experience. Um, and I'm just more worried about, okay, it slows down. We're in a half court offense. Do we have Do we score enough? Um, and that's, that's probably what I worry about, but that's we're you know, we're not there yet. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually just getting really excited. I think ultimately, and this is a little bit of a spicy take. Uh, I think Milwaukee, uh, I, I have appropriate fear of Milwaukee in, because of the fact that I'm so sure that Giannis is the best player in the world. And Justin's mentioned this a few times, like, we know what it's like to have the best player in the series by a country mile uh, as Cavs fans and how how many good teams crumble when they go up against that. And like and I do think that is like if you really like were to give me through serum, that's an anxiety I have about this team right now, which is like, you know, we might have four top 50 players do like when it comes to it, like. Are we going to be able to go blow for blow when another when uh, when you're up against a Giannis who is just you know one of the most relent? I think the the adjective I'd use to describe him is relentless. He just keeps coming at you over and over and over again, and it's this this battle of attrition. And by the way, I don't fear Jason Tatum like I fear Giannis. I don't fear Embiid like I fear Giannis. Like I I feel like. That's why I'd rather play anyone but Milwaukee uh, as long as I can to see if anyone else can knock them off. But like that, I think, is like what I'm interested in seeing solved for uh, for this team. And if and if they're not good enough this year, I mean, I think we all expect them not to be good enough this year uh, to, to, to win a title or anything. But like starting to get, gather those data points that we just legitimately don't have is is really really exciting to me. I'm I'm getting so hyped for playoff basketball. It's really not that far away. Yeah, my my actual answer was going to be, you know, we don't have the data. I don't know. I mean, it'd be, be very interesting to find out. You know, um, you know how helpful is Evan Mobley in a series against Milwaukee? You know, um, how helpful is Isaac Okoro in any of the? You know, it, it'll be interesting and fun fun to learn. And, um, you know, we had the play in last year, but it's been a little while since we've, we've got to have, uh, you know, games of that magnitude, which sorry to keep going back to Wednesday, but that, that makes Wednesday night fun too. Right. I think, I think if, if the team thinks about it the right way, I, I just think it could be a, a cool atmosphere and, um, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to meaningful basketball. Yeah, and you know it's it's a game where I think both teams are going to be up for it. Philly's been chewing through an easy part of their schedule too, um, and I think that both these teams are really going to go at each other. I think that I'm really interested to see um, if the Cavs go back to that that hard trap, hard show, uh, ball denial defense uh, where they they were able to use Evan as a roamer, they were able to use Jared as 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 a roamer. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see if, the, if, if those strategies hold or if Philly has some legitimate counters. Well, and it, just thinking about like the playoffs too, right? Like I think the way that the Cavs play is, is uniquely, um, set up to be, you know, for their defense to keep up in the playoffs. Right. I mean, when everything slows down and you've got all that length with Mobley and Allen, um, you know, there are a couple times even just, you know, the Spurs are trying to make cross-court passes and they end up throwing the ball out of bounds because, you know, Mobley's arms are are crazy. And even if Okoro doesn't have the length, he's still just bothering you. Um, so we don't have a ton of length on the wing and with our guards, but I do think just in terms of, of stopping shots at the rim, I, I think we're in, I think we have a lot of things going for us. It's is a good ass team, uh, and I'm really, really excited to see them get tested in more and more high leverage situations. But David, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast, uh, faithful uh, uh, Chase Down listeners. Uh, please, uh, please follow David uh, on Twitter. Uh, he is uh, he's no longer the editor of Fear the Sword, but he's always the editor in my heart. Sorry, Chris. Um, uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. And, uh, and thank you to the listeners. If you are tuning in on YouTube, please subscribe to the Cavaliers YouTube channel. Hit that up boat. If you're listening on audio, please subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe and help cook those books. 
It's going to be a big one on Wednesday, gang. I'm really, really excited. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Cavs. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 